Sarah, the Commonwealth Games are happening right now, even though apparently we, the U.S., didn't get invited because we like left the Commonwealth not nice enough. So you guys like don't invite us. I'm telling you, it's a punishment for your lack of loyalty. But you guys all left. And so then you all like get together and have games, apparently. Are you just... You're just jealous, Kelly. <laughs> I just don't think it makes any sense at all. And I don't think anyone cares. FYI. Okay. Okay. I'll tell you who does care. Okay. Because I came into elite sports when I was living in Scotland. Like Scotland cares, right? Like for them as a country, it gives Scottish people a chance to compete as Scotland. It's one of the few times True. that they get to. Um, and same with Wales. And there will be other countries in the in the empire who <laughs> it's also sometimes i think it's a bit of a development games for those sure countries. don't fight in so. america then it'll be like practice for the real thing <laughs> um and it, interestingly though i once trained for a commonwealth games even though i knew i was never going so when i lived in scotland i used to compete for scotland and we had to argue that i had a chance of making the commonwealth games in order to kind of be part of the squad you know how sometimes national teams are really they have like really tight rules about like who can swim in the squad and who can get free coaching and who can have the discounts on the physio and all of that stuff i don't know actually having never been on a national team oh they do they like keep fairly tight reins on their like purse right and so two coaches and i made an argument that i might go to the commonwealth games for scotland and I got on the team and then I continued on the team for a few years. But that year, though, who went for Scotland to the Commonwealth Games was like Katrina Morrison, Steph Forrester, who had been 15th in Sydney in the Olympic Games. Leslie Patterson, I think, was the alternate. So you can see the like level. Okay. Anyway, I didn't make it to the Commonwealth Games, but I like having them around. Well, you would have had the opportunity to have gone and competed and have no one in the U.S. care about it. FYI. No, really, though, Flora Duffy did win the triathlon race and they had mixed team relay, which was also a big deal because that's like practicing, I think, for doing it in the Olympics. Yeah. So it was apparently a real thing. Whatever. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive, uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will. End of story. You can support the podcast and get 20% off with the code RIDING at Askkicker Inc. Inc. with a K dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at cravejerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. So race season is well on its way. We had two big races this past weekend with Oceanside 70.3 and the 70.3 in Galveston, Texas. Did you watch the races? I looked at them on the internet. In the interwebs. There isn't really live coverage, right? What was There was a joke that was like, what's the only thing that would be better than Jan Ferdino and Lionel Sanders going head to head if we could actually watch it? 
Right. Well, and on top of it, I think the the tracker went down. So it was like, oh, yeah, even the thing you could watch wasn't watchable, unfortunately, which is obviously one of the major problems with trying to turn triathlon into a spectator sport side point. But what I did see was that there were some crazy times. Anna Hogg, who won Oceanside, ran a 116, which it was like, like, that's not like everyone was running 116. It was like five or six minutes faster than the usually best runners. But she also ran like a 114 in Dubai two months ago. And I'm starting to wonder if this is just like the new level. Like if, <laughs> if we all have to start running sub 120s, which is going to be very unfortunate for me, FYI. Yeah, I mean, Anne Hogg is amazing. I like trained with her for maybe three or four weeks back in 2012, years ago, after she went to the Olympics, and came 11th there. But I mean, she ran 33.30 off the bike in an Olympic distance, the 10K. So it's not that hard to imagine. And also, if you think about it, there have been a couple people who have run 117 in Oceanside. I think maybe Heather Jackson. She ran like, yeah, like 119, something like that. But she, but mm-hmm. this past weekend, she ran like a 123 or what? Obviously, we're getting very in the weeds about the details of time. The point here is like, we know that often women's performances or women's sports, like they come in like jumps, right? Like mm-hmm. there'll be somebody who's a lot better and then everyone will kind of rise to Chrissy Wellington's level or whatever. And then there'll be another big jump because that's just because of history and context and access. That's just like how it often goes with women's sports. And so I'm wondering... If we're about to see another big jump, particularly in the 70.3 distance, because it took like a few years for that to become its own thing separate from Ironman, you know, for like there would be people who specialized in that who weren't just doing it as like a warm up for Ironman. Like there are real 70.3 racers now. Right. It's definitely due for a jump. And certainly history shows that jumps will happen. The thing that makes me wonder actually more, even more than that, is if we're seeing a resurgence of the, like back to the old days when I first started the sport, runners really used to win at Ironman at 70.3 a lot. And now you have people like your Lionel Sanders on the men's side, your Ann Hogg on the women's side who are doing these like gutsy come from behind chase all day performances, which actually make it pretty fun because we've had a few years of the swim bikers getting out in front and nobody ever catching them. So I think it could make the sport kind of exciting in the next few years. Did you just say when you got into the sport, people runners won seventy. when you got into the sport, there was no 70.3 Sarah, like let's be clear. <laughs> it, oh, it was called half Iron Man. It wasn't like a real thing until like 2006 or something. People did it for training for the real <laughs> Iron Man. <laughs> Obviously, whenever there are these jumps too, there's always like not just like right now, like always historically, whenever there's been a big jump in performance, like across the board, there's always a lot of gossip about drugs and like unnatural performances. And, oh, it just doesn't seem nobody can do that. And then everyone slowly like gets to that level and everyone's doing it. And then we like forget right. that we all thought no one could do that. You know? Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's maybe like a public service announcement. Like, don't say anybody's on drugs. I really feel, especially about Anne's performance, not that anyone's saying Anne's on drugs. So I don't want to like conflate those things, but that she's someone who could run as fast as any woman in the ITU and, and maybe even the fastest in many of the races she's done. So it's not that surprising that she, and it's the same thing with like when we see new people come into the sport, this is going to continue to happen. So honestly, it doesn't surprise me that much that a woman can run like a 115 off the bike. It's very alarming to me. I'm like still trying to keep my times like sub 130. So now I got to knock 10 minutes off my run. FYI. <laughs> it's only 10 minutes. Only You're 10 good. Minutes. You're good. There's another Ironman coming up though. Now that like we're kind of in the North American season started which I know it always sounds like we're very North American centric, but guys, 
that's still where like most of the triathletes live is in North America. So now the North American season's like rolling and Ironman Texas is the next big one. That's like the North American championships. I think, I think it is. It's a North American championships and I'm headed there with Ashley Wiles and a photographer as well for iron women to do live videos with some of the pros and race day live videos. And what I really want to do, you know, we've, we did like last year, we did quite a few live videos and interviews with lots of pro women. And now we're going to be interviewing the same women again. Right. And I don't want to have the same like boring old conversations. Like I don't really want to Ask them what they eat and what their race strategy is. And like, maybe they eat something totally different now than they did in October, Sarah. Maybe they eat magic. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is. But I'm looking to try to get like either fun or in depth conversations from them. And I'm wondering A, like if our audience has anything that they want to hear from the pros. And B, like, what do you think? Like, how do we get those in depth conversations? Beforehand, right? Not during the race. Not during the race. No. Do you remember a few years ago? I think it was like, real stark trs they did he was like doing video from texas while people were running and yelling at the pros as they were going this is a vague memory yeah did it work out for him well i think i don't think it was as funny as they thought it was but i think it was it was like kind of entertaining for like 30 seconds but the men running were like more down to be like sure like let's chat and the women were definitely like i'm in the middle of a race like why are you bothering me they're like fuck off i'm in pain right (laughs) Right, now right (laughs) right I read an article a couple months ago. It was about, it was from a sports journalist who was a woman who was saying that in reality, she felt like she had problems getting kind of going a bit deeper with some of the female athletes. And she was kind of trying to figure out maybe why that was. As a sports journalist yourself, do you think that that's true? Or can you think of the reason? I mostly only talk to female athletes. Like, I don't really know. But I'm thinking about it and I could imagine one, like socialization, right? Like the women are definitely taught like roles and things you play like i've found this myself as an athlete right like there are notes you're supposed to hit and you are inspirational you are overcoming things you are a mom struggling to get it all done end of discussion and you hit those notes and then you move on i also think there's like when people don't when they like have something different to say like you get torn apart on social media or on the internet or like people who does this bitch think she is right it's just like not worth it Right. Like, so the internet is like not as friendly a space on average. Well, I mean, we fucking know that. Like the UN just released a report that was like, Twitter is hostile to women. Wow. I I think it's weird when we talk about the internet as like an entity, as not like being made up of people who are individually making choices. But anyway. You knew what I meant. It's a thing. I also think there's probably something to, you know, the whole like male athletes feel more comfortable in that space and more able to like be other things. We have more understanding of male athletes, as long as they're a good athlete, to be anything else they want to be, as opposed to being a role mm. model, like whatever. We're, we're more flexible. I feel like the female triathletes, though, are generally well-spoken, most like generally interested. It just depends on if you're an interesting person, right? Yeah, partially. And I think like I don't always like to blame the athletes when you're interviewing them and then you say, oh, they're not interesting enough, like as an interviewer it's my responsibility to get the interesting out of them so that's what i'm going to try to mine out in texas i think of myself as very interesting sarah you are very interesting i'm very interesting and i had a couple interviews last year and i even found myself being like i am saying the same thing like the same story like i'm boring myself this is terrible so don't do do that okay 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 (laughs) fyi Okay. And speaking of interesting, we had another voicemail from your mom. Well, hello. This is Kelly's mom. I am really interested 
and this idea of women athletes continuing their athletic activity as they are pregnant or post-pregnant. I think it's going to be really interesting as these women athletes can maybe change the perception of the delicate, fragile, pregnant woman who has to be coddled. And that as the medical profession learns more, maybe their attitudes toward pregnant women will become more acceptable, stronger, more allowing of women to just live their lives as human beings. It also sort of balances against, I'm aware of this like terrible maternal mortality rate that we have because pregnant women are not really listened to or valued. And though that's kind of the other extreme than being allowed to run a race, not dying, maybe as these female athletes can change the medical perception of pregnancy, maybe it'll help both problems. That would actually be kind of nice. I also was interested in the idea of post-pregnancy and women coming back to activity really quickly. It's going to vary so much because not everybody comes back from pregnancy like in a heartbeat. I know that I, after my first child, hi Kelly, was kind of a basket case. Uh, For example, I took my brand new baby out in a stroller and was shocked that babies get sunburned and felt terrible, felt like a horrible mom, horrible human being. DCFS is going to swoop in and take my baby. And I cried for days. So I wasn't really my best self. I wonder how many women can come back to activity really quickly. It's going to be interesting. Okay, so as someone who's never had kids, I have zero opinions on... Well, that's not true. I have many opinions. But I don't know anything about raising kids. You do. Yeah, I really like that story at the end. I thought it was really cute about baby Kelly getting sunburned. Yeah, well, adult Kelly Kelly got sunburned last week too. It's fine. (laughs) It's grown-up Kelly gets sunburned all the time. Um, But sometimes I think it's like a miracle that kids live into adulthood. Like, I think of like just the other week, actually... Rosie and I and our dog were about to cross the street and I said, okay, we're going to cross now. Meaning like, take my hand. We're all going to cross together. And she, I mean, I can understand why she misunderstood me, took that to mean run into the road. (laughs) And literally it was like squealing of tires and like people walking by shouting. (laughs) Does she not know how cars work? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) She like felt like she got the green light from her mom and then whoopsie daisies anyway so i feel for your mom well i guess also you know many kids historically did not make it to adulthood so there you go (laughs) that's true that's true it's only modern times that we're like our percentages are pretty good so there are new more races in addition to all the races we just talked about you know this past weekend there's also a boston marathon coming up on monday Uh, which has been in the news a lot, partially because it is going to be crazy. There's like four American women who are really good. An American woman might actually win this year. I'm like really hoping. I mean, I'm hoping for Shalane, but it could be Molly or Jordan Hesse or Desi or anybody. Like, man, if an American woman doesn't win now, it's going to be like a big letdown, huge letdown. Wow. Well, the American women seem to be on a roll and they seem to have some like, what do you call it? Like some good vibes going. I hope so. But it's also, but the Boston's also been in the news because of this whole, like, apparently transgender women can run at Boston. And everyone's like all worked <laughs> up. Okay. You've heard all this, right? I'm sure you've seen this on Facebook. Yeah, I have. Yeah. So there's a story saying that transgender women are going to be allowed to compete at Boston and people are freaking out because, oh my God, this is unfair. And I am mystified why people are freaking out. 
did people think that thousands of women at the Boston Marathon were being sex tested? Were being like, like, have they never been like at the expo when all, when you go into register in the 40 to 49 year old age group and you show your ID and it says you're a woman and you are a woman and you registered as a woman. Did people think that everyone was getting like pulled into a tent and like examined by doctors? Like that's like, that would be insane. Right. Is that what everyone thought was happening? Right. It's very strange. Like that they, or did they think that like trans women didn't like to run? Like, (laughs) like, it is, I do think it's good to like have a policy, have an open policy and to say, like to actually state like you are welcome here because that is definitely my default position in all things is like, we have to default to access. But like literally, I don't think everybody has access. I don't think they have a new policy. I think they literally are like, well, if you're a woman and you're registered as a woman, and your ID says you're a woman, like, we're not going to question that. Like, that's their policy, right? Like, they don't I think, like, because even in the right. article, they don't have a policy on, like, pre-surgery transgender, you know, pre-transition transgender women, mm-hmm. which is obviously, like, a little more complicated. Like, they're literally saying, if your ID says you're a woman, we'll believe your ID. Like, that's it. That's what they're, that's what they're saying. Right. Right. And just to be clear, like surgery is not related to performance. It's like the, it's like hormone levels that are, that can be related to performance, right. but I don't, all the fear mongering around sport and transgender women to me really just relates to the ideas we have about women in sport. Like when I go to a triathlon, I beat like 98 or 99% of the dudes there. Right? Uh, I'm thinking about this probably. Right. I think I beat like 95. So I think that sounds right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe 97. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I'm not doing the math. Like, but it's like a pretty high percentage, right? To be concerned about one person or a couple people in there who might be like, who might be trans is just bizarro to me. To me, the part, and obviously we've talked about this extensively when it was like a big issue with the Olympics. But to me, the thing I always think is fascinating is that people think there's like this line that like everyone on this side of this line is a woman and everyone on that side isn't. And that you're going to be able to just like tell that line. And like clearly people don't know the history of like doctors, like measuring women's like clits at the Olympic to like decide if they're like woman enough, right? Like that's bizarre. It's weird. And so like, what if, if it's this big, but not that big, then you are a woman. Like it's, it's, it's odd to me that people think there is this, like, I get that it's all like a spec, like that for most people, it's fairly obvious but there's plenty of people that you think it's obvious. And then like, you just actually didn't know they were transgender or intersex. Cause you actually don't know for all that you think, you know, so get over it. Sure. Sure. sure yeah. And kudos to Boston for, because if anything, seating it publicly, their, pol- their quote unquote new policy or whatever, <laughs> long publicly existing policy, <laughs> their long-term existing policy of allowing women to race. But is, is that like, it could possibly make maybe one or two transgender women who previously were unsure about their reception there, maybe they'll attend. So kudos to that. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inkwithak.com. And Crave Jerky, Crave with a K, Com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. 
Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so speaking of Boston and the quote-unquote trans policy, um, I find there were some interesting parallels between, you know, this conversation and the conversation about Catherine Switzer back in the day when, like, Jock Semple... She was the first... Catherine Switzer was the first woman who entered the race officially with a bib, and Jock Semple was, I believe, an official who jumped out of a moving... He, he was in a bus, I right, think. Right, because she registered her. with her initials and, like, said... She, yes. yes. So they didn't know yes. she was a woman. Exactly. And he jumped out of the bus and tried to rip her number off. But what's interesting to me is that, like, back then... There were other women who ran the Boston Marathon before Catherine Switzer, right? And they had a similar kind of like, yeah, yeah, like don't ask, don't tell kind of scenario around like someone like Bobby Gibb who ran the year before and who ran a couple of years before, I think, um, and the year before. And actually, interestingly, Jock Semple was a guy who went to bat for the couple of women who who wanted to race and created bathrooms for them and stuff. And it was his desire to follow the rules that actually made him jump out of that bus rather than his like straight up sexism. So he like, yes, well, you know, sexism is wrapped up in a lot of rules, but my understanding though is that (laughs) the women before weren't officially registered. Like I remember Bobby Gibbs like hid in a bush, like a hundred yards past the start line and then like jumped out and was like dressed all in sweat. So people couldn't tell and stuff like that. It was very, but my point is like, they knew they were racing and Jock Semple knew that those women were racing. Mm. Right. So his objection was interestingly, you're racing with a bib on (laughs) like that 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 was actually right. Like so his objection was not to women objection. in the world running for to them being officially registered in the Boston right. Marathon. Like it's a weird fucked up. Like, but it honestly, there are some parallels with this conversation about trans women. Like trans women have always run, have always run marathons. Mm-hmm. Now we're just naming it, and suddenly people are upset. True. 